administration, the remaining tapes became an important prize for the historical assessment of his administration. Nixon himself launched a 20-year campaign, determined to impress his own interpretation on that record. He wrote numerous books and articles, made carefully staged public appearances, and in general sought to establish himself as an elder statesman, both in the United States and abroad. As part of that campaign, Nixon fought ferociously to gain control over the remaining tapes. He struggled so intensely with such determination because of his fear that the secret tapes would cripple his hopes for historical rehabilitation. In April 1996, 22 years after Congress had legislated the release of the tapes of Richard Nixon's presidential conversations at the earliest reasonable date, 19 years after the Supreme Court had upheld that law, nine years after the National Archives completed its processing and preparations for their public release, two years after Nixon's death, and after five years of litigation and mediation, the tapes were at last liberated from their archival purgatory. As the result of a lawsuit brought by Public Citizen and myself, a binding agreement struck with the National Archives and the Nixon estate which provided that over a four-year period more than 3,700 hours of Nixon presidential tapes, tapes whose release Nixon had forcefully resisted to the end of his life, would at last be available to the public. The first segment, consisting of 201 hours released in November 1996, centers on Watergate, and in edited form comprises the material which follows. Conversations begin in June 1971, covering the President's reaction to the publication of the Pentagon Papers, and end in July 1973, during the height of the Senate Select Committee's hearings, when knowledge of the taping system became public. The title, Abuse of Power, stems from a congressional mandate. The 1974 Presidential Recordings and Materials Preservations Act required the archivist of the United States to provide the public with the full truth at the earliest reasonable date of the abuse of governmental power popularly identified under the generic term Watergate. The early tapes had provided a brief glimpse into the character and quality of political morality and discourse in the Nixon White House. Before their release, the President had labored desperately to delete references to Jesus Christ and changed God damn to damn. Nonetheless, the President's congressional allies, his friends, and friendly columnists were appalled. Senate Minority Leader Hugh Scott called them shabby, disgusting, and immoral. Even Vice President Gerald Ford found them a little disappointing. William Sapphire, a longtime Nixon aide and by then a New York Times columnist, thought the conversations revealed a man guilty of conduct unbecoming a president. The Reverend Billy Graham, a faithful supporter, could not but deplore the moral tone implied and was dismayed that situational ethics had infected the White House. The new tapes amplify the crudities of thought and language of the first group, but they also more sharply reveal a president deeply and intimately involved in sometimes criminal abuses of power, both before and after the Watergate break-in. In 1974, the President's defenders in Congress demanded specificity, clearly documented examples of presidential abuse of power and obstruction of justice. Their spirited efforts for Nixon did not carry the day, but they made an enormous momentary impression. On August 5th, however, 
the president, complying with the Supreme Court's order in United States versus Nixon, released transcripts of the smoking gun conversations of June 23, 1972, in which he and Haldeman talked about using the CIA to thwart the FBI investigation of the Watergate break-in. That revelation dissolved the president's remaining support and made his resignation both imperative and inevitable. These new materials provide a massive, overwhelming record of Nixon's involvement and his instigation of obstruction of justice and abuse of power. They expose a level of culpability far greater than imagined 25 years ago. President Nixon knew from the outset that the investigation had to be contained to protect White House secrets, or horrors, as Attorney General John Mitchell labeled them. Accordingly, he talked for more than a year about what he had done and continued to do as he instigated, in effect,